Never trust anyone who has not brought a book with them. Lemony Snicket. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Holt. And I'm Lee Esses. We are very excited today to welcome Oriana Leckert, who is the head of publishing at Kickstarter. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We are excited to have you on because we know that crowdfunding has become a very popular way for self-published authors and even traditionally published authors to get funding they need to publish projects. It's not a guarantee and it does require reasonable goals and lots of marketing and a lot of work. So we are excited to bring you on to talk about what Kickstarter is, how it can be helpful for authors, and of course, helpful tips for them as they pursue using crowdfunding, using Kickstarter to kickstart their publishing. Fantastic. Those are all things I feel very qualified to speak to. Yay. Let's just get to the real basics here because I have never actually participated in a Kickstarter campaign before. So talk to me about what Kickstarter is and what it's not and some of the misconceptions about it. Yeah, absolutely. So Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform designed so that a creator can bring a creative project to life. Kickstarter is only for creative work. So every campaign on the platform has to create something new. And then you bring your backers together and they support your project with their money and you reward them for your efforts. One of the first things I'll say, Kickstarter is a public benefit corporation. That is not a distinction that I really was aware of before I started working here. But you've probably heard of a B Corp. PBC is actually an even more strict business charter that requires us to consider our impact on the world with everything that we do. And it essentially makes us a mission-driven for-profit organization. So our mission is to bring creative projects to life. And that is at the heart of everything that we do and everything we want people to do on our platform. Another thing that sets Kickstarter apart in the broader crowdfunding landscape, our funding model is all or nothing. So if you say, I need $10,000 to bring this project to life, if you only raise $8,000, you don't get any, no dollars, you don't get any of that money. People often think that this is scary or mean, but it's actually designed with the creators in mind. If you've done your homework and you've figured out that in order to do this print run of this many copies, with this trim size, page count, spot gloss covers, ribbon bookmark, interior illustrations, etc., if you get to the end of your campaign and you've only raised part of those funds, you're actually in a terrible position because now you need to either self-fund to put together the rest of it, which if that was an option, you probably wouldn't have been doing crowdfunding in the first place, or you have to produce an inferior product, which is going to be a bummer for you and a bummer for your readers. Or you don't make the thing at all, and that's going to upset everybody even more. So the idea is that if you can do an honest assessment and understand how to make your ambition match your reach, doing a crowdfunding campaign should only lead to bringing a project to life once you've really got all of the money necessary to do it. A couple other little things about Kickstarter. Our fee is 5%. That's industry setting standard. We set that in 2009 and we've never raised it. It's also a lot less than the fees you would pay for most other self-publishing type platforms and initiatives. And Kickstarter is designed to let you keep your audience in this moment of continued fracturing of social media, where sort of everybody has realized that all the work you did to build up your audience on this, that, or the other platform, all that work can be for nothing if the moguls in charge decide to shift their algorithm or take the thing altogether. Kickstarter has always been in the business of letting you know as much as possible about the people who are supporting you and giving you access to them during and then long after the campaign itself. 
So that's some basics about Kickstarter. One of the things that I have liked, because I have backed a couple of different Kickstarter campaigns, is that it is a safe investment for me. I don't pay any money until it is funded and I'm guaranteed those products. That's exactly right. Yeah. So from my viewpoint of things, it is a good thing for everyone involved to have that sort of a model. For authors who are looking into doing this, one of the things that they need to know about are the rewards and the tiers settings. Can you give us a brief overview of what that looks like? Totally. So another common misconception about crowdfunding is that you're begging for money. That is really far from the truth. I mean, it's possible for someone to give your campaign money without getting anything back. But the projects are designed with a series of tiered rewards so that people can choose at what level they want to support you. Of course, those tiers are likely to be paperback, hardcover, maybe a fancy deluxe edition if you like. But the rewards are really central to the Kickstarter proposition and they can be so much more. I think this is actually one of the most exciting parts about the crowdfunding campaign is figuring out what you can give to your backers and your readers that's going to be thrilling for both you and for them. A lot of what a Kickstarter does is it really gives a clear line of communication between creators and backers, writers and readers, and the rewards are a terrific way to do that. You can think about what is part of your creative process, like a window into your world that you would not otherwise be able to give to your readers. A lot of people do book clubs or notes from the field, outtakes from the book project. People can do things like a 20-track playlist of songs you love to listen to while you're writing. People can do higher-end things, commissioned art or a voting panel on different elements of the story. We had a project recently by the best-selling way novelist Cassandra Clare. She released a limited tier of, I think, 100 where she would write whatever word you choose so that you could get that tattooed on your body. There are lots of ways that you can make your readers feel connected to what you're doing. And the Kickstarter rewards are a terrific way to think about how to do that. I've never thought of a tattoo as a reward for (laughs) supporting a campaign. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, we also see a lot of people sell off naming rights to their characters. I've seen ones will name the villain after your mother-in-law, name the dragon after your dog, (laughs) name the hero after your son. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of really fascinating, unique, kind of crazy and really beautiful rewards that people do. I now have a new goal for naming my characters. (laughs) (laughs) So I've heard of a couple of different types of platforms out there like Kickstarter that help support creatives in what they're doing. Another one is Patreon, where you can support authors or storytellers, musicians, those kind of people with your money. What is the difference between Kickstarter and Patreon? Yeah, totally. So Kickstarter, in my opinion, which is obviously biased, we're the best option for project-based fixed funding. By this, I mean $10,000 to do this print run of these books. We're going to get a lump sum of money, we're going to do a thing, and then we're going to move on. Patreon is a great example of sustainable funding. I'm going to get $5 or $50 or $150 every month so that I can keep living my life as a creative person and help subsidize all of the costs associated with that. I don't think of Patreon as a competitor. I think these two funding models can actually work fairly well in conjunction. I actually came to Kickstarter five years ago, and I was tasked with growing our journalism category. So in that sense, I had this conversation all the time because the media doesn't really lend itself in the same way as books do to these discrete projects. 
So I would often counsel authors to use one thing in support of the other. You know, you can leverage the sustainable funding audience that you've built on Patreon and say, we're going to add a new beat to our media outlet. We're going to do a book that collects our favorite articles on X, Y, and Z topic. And you can bring the supporters that you've already got in your sustainable funding model over to Kickstarter. Similarly, with a Kickstarter, you can essentially have subscriptions and memberships in your rewards. So you can do $100 for a six-month membership or that sort of thing. That gives you six months of runway to sort of prove yourself to these folks. And then at the end of that time, using whatever sustainable funding model you are interested in, you can try to get people to shift over into that model instead. So these are both ways of community building and, of course, achieving much needed funding for a creative life. So you just have to get an understanding of the pros and cons of each and where they best fit. And I think they can all be used at different times in conjunction with one another. In my mind, you would use something like Kickstarter, the project-based one, for releasing a book, for releasing an anthology, for releasing something big that takes a lot of funding to get produced. With the Patreon, with that sustainable model that you were talking about, it would be something like, hey, subscribe to this and once a month you'll get a free short story from me or you'll get a next chapter in whatever series I'm writing or whatever it is. So it's something you would do more long term rather than Kickstarter, which is, hey, I am going for this one particular goal, this one particular project. Yeah, totally. You'll notice in my rewards discussion before, I didn't really talk about swag. Swag can be very useful. People love a laptop sticker or a keychain or an enamel pin. I don't want people to think that if you're going to run a campaign, you have to turn yourself also into a merch production facility. But if that's something that you're interested in, those kinds of little small tangible rewards can be used in both places. If your folks really love tote bags, that can be a gift that you give your Patreon subscribers every couple of months. And then maybe when you run a Kickstarter, you could do a limited run of those totes in a different color and, you know, that sort of thing. So you can use the same kinds of ideas in both places, just making sure that you're understanding the specific needs of each. So let's get into specifically more crowdfunding for authors. Where do you recommend authors, writers be with their project before they start a Kickstarter campaign? Sure. So there's not one right answer to this question. It really depends on who you are, what you're working on, what your audience is interested in. Kickstarter is a relatively neutral platform that allows you to make whatever contract you want with your readers. Most people, I would say, will come to Kickstarter to raise printing funds or sometimes to commission illustrations. But if you want to say to your readers, look, I'm just at the very beginning. The book is outlined, but I haven't even begun to write. So it's going to be at least two years before you see any of these rewards. If people say, sure, no problem, I'd love to contribute. That's great. You can do it however you want. But it is really important that you be transparent and communicative during and long after the crowdfunding process. Because the last thing you want to do is have people feel disappointed or that they didn't get the things that they thought they were getting out of the project. Yeah, I think from somebody who has backed a few projects, there was one that I had backed and it took two or three years before fulfillment because they ran into a lot more problems with the printing. There was not a very good communication through it. We ended up getting a great product in the end, but it took a lot longer without the communication. I think that's something authors need to be transparent about. I really liked that you had said that. The transparency, being honest about where they are, how long, and the timeline of things, and then doing everything in their power to stick to that timeline. Yeah. 
On the positive side, Kickstarter backers are extremely forgiving. They really are. People understand that clicking a box on kickstarter.com is not the same as making a purchase from an online bookstore. But yeah, exactly as you said, that transparent communication is critical. Another benefit of doing the Kickstarter is that you're giving people a view into what has long been the sort of shadowy production process. Most people don't really know how a book gets made. So if you have the opportunity to show them, here's how we're dealing with our printers, here's how we're getting our vellum art inserts made, and keeping really close tabs on the process. Then when you have a problem, when you say the books were shipped and a box fell off a boat into the ocean, <laughs> now they know that books are shipped via freight on the ocean. And sometimes unexpected chaos can be introduced into this process. And most of the time, people will be very willing to wait if they understand why. Am I more likely to succeed if I announce the project and start collecting funding after I've outlined or just before printing or somewhere in between? Well, as I said, this is really going to vary pretty dramatically from author to author. It depends what your audience will bear. If you want to say, I am way at the beginning here, I'd like to collect these funds and here's how long it will take me to use them. If people say yes and agree to that, I think that's terrific. I think it's probably less likely most people are a little farther along than just at the outline stages, but it really depends on your audience. Anything for somebody like a debut author, somebody who is just getting started, they're still working to build their audience, the further along in the process that they are, the safer that's going to be. But that brings us to our next point. Sometimes the authors need the funding earlier in the stage than printing. Editing is expensive. Cover design is expensive. So how do you see the funds mostly used from Kickstarters? Yeah, you know, it's really all over the place. It can really be whatever you think is going to make sense for what you're doing and whatever you are confident that people are going to get behind. The question about a debut versus established author, part of the answer to that is also going to be about establishing trust. If you're a well-established author and people know that when you make a promise, you deliver on it, you might have a lot more leeway about how long your fulfillment horizon could look. Whereas if you have no track record, no work product to show, might be a little more difficult to convince people to shell out their money in just the blind hope that you will do what you say you will. Should I have a separate campaign for my audiobook versus my print book? I mean, you could. You could do it however you want. I would say it is fairly common to see both kinds of editions produced out of the same campaign, but the budget has to make sense. Obviously, you need more and different funds for audiobook production than you do for print production. I would say it's about the same amount of work on Kickstarter to raise $1,000 as it is to raise $10,000. So there's a pretty strong argument for just marshalling your efforts and doing it in one big push. But that relies on your audience being big enough and devoted enough that you're going to be able to get that kind of funding at once. So the answer is really always, it depends. For our listeners, we are going to include a couple of links on our website, one of which will be how to create a Kickstarter budget to help you in the process of developing what those funds and how they will be used and how that will look. Yeah, I commissioned this article from Russell Nolte. If folks know him in your community, I think he's run maybe 60 Kickstarter campaigns for both his books and his comics. And he also, with his business partner, Monica Lionel, they run a Kickstarter accelerator program for authors. So vastly experienced with doing Kickstarters, budgeting for Kickstarters. Yeah, 
that's a really valuable resource. It's got, I believe, like a little template worksheet in it so that you can plug in your own numbers and get a sense of where all the funds are going to need to go. We've talked about that you can really be at any stage, but is there anything that you really recommend people have done and produced before they start a campaign? Well, I think you're going to need to give some examples. This is the age-old debate of buying a cow when you can get the milk for free. But if you're looking to build your audience through the campaign, you're going to need to be able to give them some sense of what you write. So you should have, if not this book done, you should have some writing samples that are available. If there is a visual element to your book, you might want to have one piece of art commissioned, maybe the cover, maybe one interior illustration. So again, people can get a sense of what they're going to get ultimately. You should know and have confidence that you can produce all the rewards, the creative product that you're making. You don't necessarily have to have fully done all the things already, but as much of them, you should at least have samples. You should have proof copies possibly for yourself, for your budgeting purposes, but also so you can tell your audience what it is that they will get at the end of this project. So I'm the one who hasn't been on Kickstarter before. But I see a lot of talk about book trailers. Is that something that would help me in my Kickstarter campaign? Or is that just going to be a waste of money that I'm just dumping into a place that I don't need? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the answer can go either way. If you've never even gone to kickstarter.com, I will say most projects do have a video. It is not a requirement. It is a preference. We do see that campaigns with videos tend to get more traction, higher funding. But of course, it's not really something that you could A-B test. It's not certain whether because they have a video, they are getting more funding or is it that the video is just more professionally produced, etc.? I think if you are going to do a video, firstly, if a video is just so prohibitive for you based on your skills or your time or your needs, it's okay. Lots of people run campaigns and raise plenty of money without one. But if you want to do one, a couple of tips, it should be short, bright, and compelling. Our data shows that about 50% of people on the website stop watching after a minute and almost all the rest are gone by the end of the second minute. So there's no need and it won't help you to do a 20-minute Hollywood production-style triumphant video project. You do want to make sure you're well-lit and that it is fun and interesting. It is good to think of a Kickstarter video as a teaser into your campaign itself. I would also say you want to make sure that that's going to be something that you can use elsewhere, if not exactly that same video, some of the assets, you can maybe pull out gifts, things like that. You want it to be something like a book trailer or have elements of a book trailer or be optimized for socials so you can later put it on your TikTok or your Instagram stories or use some of it on your website. It should work in concert with everything else that you're doing so that it doesn't feel like sunk costs. If one of the main things that they are working towards with the campaign is getting a budget, getting funding for illustrations, for covers, for the kind of visual aspect of a book, do you have any recommendations for how to visually build their campaign page, even if they only have a concept cover or one illustration? Yeah. Kickstarter is on the internet and the internet is a visual medium. So it is really important to make sure your campaign is not just a wall of text. If you are working with an illustrator and you haven't commissioned any new art for your project, maybe you ask them if you can use some of their other art. There are ways that you can find imagery that is similar to what you're doing. Just credit it well and make it very clear that these are placement images and not what the final project will look like. If it is absolutely impossible for you to get any imagery whatsoever, you can design headers that have the same aesthetic that your art will ultimately look like. So you can at least have something that's going to be a visual element on the page. You can use plain old bulleted lists or like various levels of headers and bolding. 
you do want the page to be somewhat visually dynamic. So I would do what you can to get some visual elements that are going to make the page friendlier to the eye. And something like Canva, which is an online free design resource, could really help with that. Totally. Building basic imagery for free. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's talk numbers a little bit. If I set my campaign goal at $20,000, then I'll be able to do all of the different things and maybe make a movie about it and do this <laughs> and that, have an audiobook soundtrack as well, whatever. It might be really cool to do that, but it's not likely to hit that, especially if I'm a debut author. But if I only put my campaign goal as $1, I'm more likely to get it met, but it's not going to be enough. Is there some sort of Goldilocks zone that is high enough to be helpful, but low enough to hit that goal? Yeah, and that's going to vary for every single author and in fact, for every single project. The way to think about your funding goal is that you want to make sure your ambition matches your reach. You've already said a lot of the same things that I'm going to say in answering this question. If you are a debut author and you haven't built up a strong following yet, it's probably not the time to fund a multi-volume deluxe hardbound omnibus edition. You want to do a really clear assessment of who's in your audience, what percentage of them are likely to convert, how you're going to reach beyond that, what your plans are for marketing, for promotion, for outreach, and then work yourself back to what kind of funding is that likely to get you. The ideal Goldilocks zone is you want to ask for the minimum amount necessary to really produce the things that you are talking about doing. This comes back to making a very clear budget, understanding all of your production costs for the book and also for all of the associated rewards, as well as shipping, and then figure out if your audience will bear these costs. If there's a huge gap between the amount of money you want and the number of people you think are likely to back it, it's probably a good idea to rethink what you're doing. Maybe you want to break the project into pieces and only fund part of it at first. Maybe you want to take some time and not launch a campaign yet until you've done some more work building your audience and community. That sweet spot of enough money to make running the campaign worth it for you and to yield enough funds to do the thing it's really going to vary for every single project, no matter what kind of author you're talking about. So it sounds like it takes a lot of research into what you specifically need as the author and a heavy dose of realistic thinking. Yeah, I would say that's an accurate assessment. How transparent should I be as far as how I intend to use the money? I feel like I should have some room of flexibility. I can say I plan on spending 10% on this, but if I go like down to the cent and then I'm off a little bit, I don't want to break trust, but I also need a little wiggle room. Yeah, I think you've answered your own question. I think giving people a fair idea that this percentage goes to art and design, this percentage goes to print production, this percentage goes to paying me the artist as I am penning my masterwork. I think that's good enough. I don't know that anybody wants or expects a deeply granular budget down to the penny for everything that you do. Russell's budgeting article is very clear about this. You should also build in a buffer no matter what you're doing because unexpected things will happen. Print costs will go up. Probably a box of books won't fall into the ocean, but there's all kinds of variables that could get tweaked just a little bit and you don't want to wind up in the red because you didn't leave any room for error. Knowing my luck, the whole ocean liner sinks. <laughs> That's bad luck. Let's 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 say that won't happen. <laughs> I don't know with Lee. Um, so a couple of the projects that I have backed ended up getting past their original goal really quickly. What do you recommend for authors who do get overfunded? 
yeah, it's a great problem to have usually. Although even with that, there's a tipping point at which that blessing can become a curse if you think you're going to do a 500 copy print run and suddenly you need to produce thousands of books. That's going to change all of your calculations. People worry that, oh, once my goal is hit, people will stop backing the campaign. But that's not really something we see. In fact, folks are likelier to back a campaign that's been funded because it seems that much more likely that they're going to ultimately be able to get that book. One of the mechanisms that a lot of creators use is stretch goals. So I said at the beginning, Kickstarter is all or nothing funding. If you say we're raising $5,000, you must raise at least that much to get any of your money. A stretch goal doesn't come with those restrictions. You can say, if I raise another $1,000, I'm adding another signature and spot gloss on the covers. If I raise another $50,000, maybe we are making a little animated short. If you make those announcements, there's no requirement to hit them. You still, once you've hit your base goal, will receive all of your funding. Stretch goals can be an exciting way to keep the enthusiasm up for your project, to encourage people to keep spreading the word. In fact, to enlist your backers in the promotion process, because now you're talking about ways that they who are already on board are going to get an even cooler thing at the end of it. But be careful with stretch goals because it has certainly happened to creators that while they've done very careful budgeting efforts to launch, have been carefully thought through, then they get excited in the heat of the moment and start promising stretch goals that they haven't done such careful research about. And you can wind up in a lot of trouble if you overpromise at that stage. So don't guarantee anything that you aren't quite sure you understand how to produce, what it will cost, what time it will take, etc. So stretch goals are not required, but if you want to do them, they can be deployed in a way that's going to be helpful to you and hopefully helpful to the overall funding of the project. How I kind of pictured that going is if you, in your original research as the author, build out the budget and then add a couple of stretch goals, doing that same level of research as the main goal, that's your best way to go. And whether or not you announce those stretch goals or add them, if you reach your goal and you can kind of keep tacking on stretch goals, overall, just keep in mind that you still have to meet all of the expectations of those stretch goals, like you have to meet the expectations of your original goal. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the only thing I would say is we actually really recommend against including stretch goals at launch because it can confuse the messaging around how much money you really need to make. But you're exactly right. You should do as much legwork about the stretch goals as you do about the main product and then wait to announce them as needed as the campaign continues to overfund. Announcing a stretch goal is a terrific excuse for a fresh round of promotion. It's a great way to get your audience re-engaged and re-excited. So keep them in your back pocket, know what they will be, have them planned out, and then deploy them slowly as they come up during the course of the campaign. So I can add the stretch goals after the campaign has started. Can I change my target goal after the campaign you has cannot. started? Yeah, you can edit anything on your project page. You can change the photos. You can redo all the text. You could move the rewards around. The things you cannot change once you hit launch are your funding goal, the end date and time, and any reward tiers that have backers. So once somebody has backed at a reward tier, that's locked. You can't go back later and say, just kidding, you only get one book instead of five books or a blue cover instead of a yellow cover. You can add new rewards, you can change your copy, you can rearrange the page, you can swap out the photos, anything else is fair game. How much time should you give people to back a project? How long should a campaign be? Yeah, we recommend about 30 days, which is like about four weeks. 
Part of the all or nothing funding is that this level of tangible urgency really creates a moment, this exciting now or never, do or die sort of mentality. And that can be very difficult to sustain for much longer than about a month. The trajectory of almost every Kickstarter is that most of your funding comes your first and last week. That period in the middle, it is almost always a plateau. It can be a little bit tough for morale, a little bit tough for motivation. But you do want to give yourself that space in the middle so that all of your activations will have time to come to life. While your campaign is running, in addition to all of the outreach and promotion you're doing, you are presumably going to be identifying amplifiers and signal boosters. You're going to be trying to get press, go on podcasts like this one. There's a lot of things that you'll be doing, and you want to make sure that there's time for that all to come to fruition. The last thing you need is a terrific endorsement or a lovely article or TikTok about your project, which comes the day after it has closed. That's why we recommend that four-week time frame to get the most out of everything that you'll be doing. Do you have any other tips for running a successful campaign? So I think that you've asked such good questions and pretty much all the things that I generally talk about. I will do a little plug. We have a whole page that is creator resources for folks running publishing campaigns. There are similar ones on Kickstarter for games and for art and for other things. That creator resource page is at kickstarter.com slash creators slash publishing. There's tons of articles there, including some that I've written myself. The first article is how to create a great Kickstarter publishing page where I go through each element of the project page and talk about how best to use it. There's articles about creating a poetry project versus a comics project versus a zine versus an art book. There's the aforementioned budgeting article from Russell. There's tips on promotion, how to write a press release, how to tell your story, social media best practices. I think everything I could possibly tell you, you will find on that page and much, much more. Perfect. I will include that as a link on our landing page, as well as any other helpful links about Kickstarter, creating project pages of creating campaigns. Awesome. So I feel like I've got a good idea of what to have and when and how to set the budget. What are the pitfalls that I should avoid before stepping into the Kickstarter world? Well, that's kind of a huge question and it's going to depend a lot on your specifics. You want to make sure that you've done all your homework, that you've budgeted appropriately all the things that we've talked about. You want to make sure you have a really good plan for how you're going to spread the word, how you're going to reach not only the audience that you have, but the audience that you want. The more work that you can do before you press that launch button, the easier of a time you're going to have of it during the delightful chaos of the campaign itself. So I think as with most things, do your homework, do your research, rewrite all those social media posts, make sure that your mailing list is up to date, get all of your ducks in a row so that you can reduce the number of surprises and the time you'll have to deal with them as they come during the campaign. And marketing is such a huge part of a Kickstarter. You can't just put it up on Kickstarter and hope that it comes into fruition. You have to do a lot of work upfront with your audience, with social media. So do you have any tips for building that audience and building that excitement through marketing? Yeah, spreading the word about your project is a huge part of doing a campaign at all. We're in an interesting moment where the social media landscape is really shifting all around us. So while I do think social media is still a major component of any outreach plan, the first thing that you want to think about is who's already in the audience that you have direct access to, which is likeliest to be your newsletter, your mailing list, where people have opted in to inviting you into their inbox as opposed to maybe casually seeing you while they doom scroll among all of the other noise. 
So figure out, first of all, who's in that, who are you going to email? How often? What will you say? At what points during the campaign will you reach out to them? What will your asks be? All that sort of thing. For your social plan, certainly start with the platform where you are the strongest. It is not really wise to get on TikTok for the first time just to promote your Kickstarter. You want to be places where you already know the lay of the land, the tone of the language, where you do have a waiting audience who's excited to hear from you. As I think I've mentioned, you'll also want to identify signal boosters and amplifiers who are folks who have not necessarily a bigger audience, but a different audience, one that is adjacent to yours. What sort of symbiotic offers can you make for them if you ask them to spread the word for you? You'll also want to think about, are there press outlets that'll be interested in your story? No bad tactics in promotion. What are all the ways that you could possibly get in front of anybody who might be interested in the work you're doing? As social media is a bit on the decline when it comes to promoting creative projects, coming into focus is digital marketing. So think about whether you have money to spend on an ad campaign, what that's going to look like, how you're going to run it, with what help, that sort of thing. So all of those pieces will work together in your marketing and promotion to hopefully propel you to and far beyond your funding goal. And for our listeners, your signal boosters are going to be a lot of your ARC readers. If you have any beta readers that are active in reader spaces, those kinds of things, you want to contact people who are in reader spaces that would be interested in your book, in your genre, to see if you can get them on board to help you with that. Yeah, awesome tips. Now, for the landscape of crowdfunding for book projects, for publishing projects, are there any genres that are more popular than others for creating a successful campaign? So at the moment, we've got a huge, as with the publishing industry broadly, a huge surge in romanticy. There's always been a strong sci-fi fantasy contingent on Kickstarter. We've seen a major uptick in romance and in those romanticy-type crossover projects. Also, we've always had a really strong showing for children's books, particularly like own voices and like voices for marginalized creators and creators of different languages and cultural backgrounds. But the thing with Kickstarter is that it really depends who's here today and tomorrow and tomorrow. When I was doing journalism, people would often ask me this question in terms of which state has the highest percentage of media supporters on Kickstarter. And the answer was New York, Chicago, and California, because or those are cities, but anyway, because those were the three biggest Kickstarter journalism projects had come from New York, Chicago, and L.A., Romance actually has been, it's only been in the last maybe two or three years that that's come to the fore on Kickstarter. I did a lot of work in this area and it inspired a real follow-on effect. Once you have a bunch of people in the same genre all coming to the platform at once, this is a way of building up that community and that ecosystem where I've come, Lee, to back your campaign. And now I see that there are five other romance novels here that appeal to my same interests. So it has a magnifying effect. Perhaps next year, memoirs will come to the fore or mysteries or who knows what else. But it really depends on the movements of the folks in the publishing world and then what they're bringing here and what can take hold. So let's say I have a book that is not one of the genres that's really knocking it out of the park in Kickstarter right now. Am I better off employing my marketing resources elsewhere or can I be a big fish in a small pond here? So when someone searches spy thriller, that my name is one of the few that pops up. Yeah, I mean, I think you can be. And I think that the work of promoting your Kickstarter campaign is going to reach you out in the broader world. 
it's going to put you in front of a bunch of readers who just don't know that they're your fans yet. The Kickstarter ecosystem, by the way, we track this in your creator dashboard, what percentage of your backers are coming through your efforts and which are coming just from being on the Kickstarter platform. In the publishing category, broadly, I would say about 15 to maybe 30% of your backers will likely come just from being on Kickstarter, no matter what kind of project you're doing. There is a huge community of readers on the platform who will see your campaign, even if it's not a deluxe sprayed edge romanticy project, which is sort of the big thing right now. But as I said, the work that you are doing, it's going to help you build your brand, build your audience, make a splash out in the world. And it's going to draw new readers to you just from all of those promotional efforts. What kind of stats do you have about how many book and writing campaigns you see each year? And then what percentage of those are successful? Excellent question. Yes, I'm looking at some statistical analysis right here. So since Kickstarter projects run for about 30 days, it'll be another couple of weeks before 2023 is fully in the books because people who launched at the end of December, their campaigns are still live. But for the sake of numbers, in 2023, we had 4,077 projects launched in publishing, of which 2,236 were successful. That's a 54.8% success rate. However, another metric, which is actually my favorite metric, is the success rate for projects with at least 25 backers. That's a real measure of, are you really doing the work? 25 backers, it's a little bit bigger than your mom, your best friend, the folks who are essentially obligated to support anything that you put out there. The success rate in publishing for projects with at least 25 backers is currently 83%. So if you are doing the work and if you're trying and have done your homework and assessed your reach and figured all the things out, your chances of success on the platform are actually really high. That's actually really cool to hear because both of us have gone through the self-publishing process before and it's been totally self-funded and it is a lot of work and it can be difficult. But to see that kind of success available before the book is even released, I feel like that is very hopeful and very nice to look forward to. Of course, the money is the point and very needed, but It's not just help getting dollars, it's help building your community, building those readers, not just readers, but dedicated, excited early readers who feel really connected to you and your work, who are going to be overjoyed when they get their books. They're going to do unboxing videos on their socials. They're going to feel like one of the people that helped you bring this thing to life. It's a really powerful bond with your readers that's not super available out in the world when you just sell a book in a bookstore. Okay, so I've got this plan. I'm going to set my Kickstarter target for a million dollars. And if I hit that, I'm going to release four books in the next coming year. It's going to be the year of S's. Uh, Yeah, that is a plan. I feel like somebody (laughs) may have had this plan already who might have had a slightly bigger audience. Just just a little bit. One of the first projects that came out that made me realize that publishing was an option through Kickstarter, through crowdfunding, was Brandon Sanderson's Year of Sanderson campaign, his secret projects. That set actual Kickstarter records for funding. And it is very clear that is going to be a very rare case. Not everybody is going to get, what was it, like 32, $42 million? Yeah, it was 42, $42 million, And I will also just... Just to bring it home, that is more than double the previous highest funded Kickstarter campaign ever. Not Kickstarter Publishing, Kickstarter.com. Absolutely astronomical. 
authors do not set your standards that high unless you are Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> but there's maybe like four or five other people, I think, out there in the world who could maybe reach that level of success. <laughs> yeah. If Lee Child started actually writing again. <laughs> So are there any other outstanding projects, campaigns that you've seen that would be a realistic goal for our listeners? When you asked me this question, I'm just looking at the notes and I think I wrote down 25 different links. So here's the truth of it. The number one thing that you should do if you have any concept that you might run a Kickstarter someday is go to the site right now, pick five projects and back them even just for a dollar find and follow those creators out in the world and start to get a sense of what people are doing. I am an expert on Kickstarter because I stare at Kickstarter all day, every day, and have done for the last five years. You don't have to do all of that, but all of the tools are already there for you. All of those tactics, somebody else is already doing them and you can watch and learn and figure out how to adapt them to whatever kind of project you've got in mind. I could list some of these projects that I think are terrific, if you go to kickstarter.com slash publishing, I have a feed on that page that's just for genre fiction. I think a lot of your listeners are in the genre fiction area, so that would be the quickest way. And you can even sort that by projects we love, by most backed, most funded. Kickstarter is actually also a vast historical record of Kickstarter. Every project that has ever happened is still on the site. So you can slice and dice the search results in any way you want and just look at all the other campaigns in your specific subgenre that have raised at least $8,000 in the last 15 years. So rather than me listing out to like your vast listenership, just some campaigns that I think are cool. I think the answer is do some work on your own to see what other people are doing who are also writing the same kinds of things that you're writing and see what tips you can borrow from them. Perfect. And I will share that link again on our landing page, along with the collection of links for different types of projects, because you did share with us small genre <laughs> projects, anthologies, audiobooks, deluxe editions, and big genre projects. So I will include on our landing page the resource for being able to sort through it yourself, get those resources that are really in your wheelhouse, in your genre, and what you're looking to do. But I will also share the links that Oriana shared with us that are for small genre projects, anthologies, audiobooks, deluxe editions, and big genre projects. Awesome. If our listeners have been following the podcast for any length of time, they're aware that we have a fairly active Discord channel. I did let them know on the Discord channel what we were doing, and we had a couple of listener questions for you. Cool. Great. So I wanted to pitch those at you. The first one comes from Steven. He says, how can someone who doesn't have a social media presence have a successful Kickstarter? Or is that simply a requirement? I think the requirement is a way to reach your audience. This is one of my corny lines that I always wind up saying. Everybody is thinking about the funding side of crowdfunding, but what you also need to be thinking about just as much is your crowd. It's possible that you could run a whole campaign without any social media whatsoever, especially if you have a strong mailing list or other ways to reach your people. I actually know of somebody who bought some billboards in LA when he was running a Kickstarter. So social doesn't have to be the only thing. You just have to know how to reach the people that might be able and willing to support your project. And the next question is kind of a two-parter. Can something succeed solely based on the quality of the thing being pitched? And what have people done to increase the likelihood of that happening? I think the answer is it depends on who you are and who your audience is and how you reach them. 
I certainly don't think you can only get a deluxe edition funded. You can absolutely run a Kickstarter for a normal paperback, hardcover, audiobook, electronic version of your book. But yeah, you will have to find ways to make it compelling. You'll have to make people understand what is exciting about it. I think that in any element of the publishing world or the creative world altogether, you do have to be able to sell what you're doing in a way that is compelling to the people that you want to buy it. Is there anything else that you would like to say? Any other resources to share for our audience? Yeah, I was going to share a couple of outside of Kickstarter resources. There are two. I mentioned Russell Nolte early in this call. I am not paid to say this, but I will say his website for his Kickstarter Accelerator is writermba.com. That's a great community. I see projects from folks who have gone through the Accelerator on the site all the time. And another excellent resource. There are many, many Facebook groups for authors, particularly Facebook groups for authors who are publishing on Kickstarter. I think there are a number of those as well. I have a link. It's not worth reading the URL, which is ugly, but you guys will share it in the show notes. It is run by a woman named Anthea Sharp, who's also a multi-time Kickstarter publishing creator. I don't spend tons of time there, but whenever I dip into it, it is a vibrant, fascinating community of thousands of authors talking to each other about all of the things that we've discussed over the course of this whole episode. So I would really recommend taking a look there. There are many other places online and in the world where folks are gathering to talk to each other about how to build community, how to do a good crowdfunding campaign, all of these kinds of ideas. So get support, find ways to connect with other people who are doing the same work. That's part of building your community also, not only your community of readers. The world is full of resources and people who are trying to do the same thing that you are. So find them, connect with them, support one another. That's what this is all about. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Oriana. There's a lot of really great information in this. and I'm going to definitely have to listen through it again so I can absorb the vast amounts of information you've brought to us today. So <laughs> thank you again for joining us on the podcast today. It's been a total pleasure. I can't wait to see what kinds of campaigns that everybody comes up with. And for our listeners, as you look to getting published, as you look to creating your projects and finding unique ways to bring your dreams into fruition, don't forget the first step. Write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 